Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Well, good morning. Good to see you all here today. Appreciate you coming out on this beautiful uh, first day of November. Uh, for many of us, we've completed our 40 days of prayer. Some of us are still kind of chugging along and going to be wrapping it up in the next few days. And I would encourage you, wherever you're at in the process, to continue and press on to the end. Uh, even if it's sort of a New Year's event for you when you finish, I would encourage you to finish it, okay? And uh, I've been there, done that. But uh, today I want to talk to you about when God says no. Uh, many times uh, in the Bible, God promises to answer your prayers. One of the clearest examples is in Jeremiah 33.3. 3. Uh, let's read this verse out loud together. Call to me and I will answer you. God says, I will answer you. But the answer is not always yes. And, uh, you know, we've been praying earnestly uh, for 40 days. What if God says no to some of our prayers? Uh, in the Bible, God said no. He said no to great men of faith, Abraham, Moses, Daniel, Job, Jonah, Elijah, Peter, Paul. God said no to them. And you're going to have many no's in uh, your life as well. Uh, today, uh, we're observing International Day of Prayer for the persecuted church all over the world. Christians are suffering great persecution for their faith. Uh, they are in prison, they're in exile, they're under duress. They are praying and praying and praying and praying. If God is truly loving, if God has the power to control everything, then why are their prayers denied? Why do some persecuted people get released from prison and some don't? Why do some sick people get well and some don't? Why do some hurting people find relief and some don't? Why do some couples pray for a child and get a child and other couples pray for a child and they don't? Why does God say yes? Why does God say no? And now there are some mysteries surrounding this dilemma, but there are also some reasons for no's that are obvious. Uh, for instance, when two people are praying for the opposite thing, obviously God has to say no to one of them. I mean, the kids are praying for a snow day, the parents are praying, oh God, please, no, let them go to school. <laughs> Somebody's going to get a no. It's football season, you know, uh, all over America, people are praying for their team to win. And half of them are going to get a no. Just the way it works, okay? There are also prayers that we pray that if God were to answer them, he would have to override the free choice of other people. Someone might pray, God, will you force that person to marry me? Uh, you know, you can pray that prayer all you want, but God is going to say no because God does not take away our free choice. God's not going to force you to marry somebody. Uh, God can't force you to fall in love with somebody. God can't force you to stay in love with somebody. And some of you understand the pain of praying, God, make my spouse not leave. 
But they left. Why? Because God doesn't force us to do the right thing. So if you're praying, God, change that person's mind, make them do what I want them to do, God doesn't do that. He doesn't do it to anybody else. He doesn't do it to you. That's a reason why we can pray and God will say no. Another reason why God says no. If, if, if every sick person you prayed for never died, then no one would ever die. And you and I, we're meant to live forever, but not here. Not here. Here there's sorrow, there's sickness, there's sadness, suffering, injustice, abuse, harassment, war, all kinds of other evil things. Frankly, I don't want to live forever on this planet. Okay? I've been here 65 years. I've just about had enough. Okay? You know, I want to live in a place where there's no sorrow, no suffering, no sadness, no sickness, no tears. I want to live in heaven. But there's only one way to get there. You know, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. So when you pray for the sick, most of the time they get well. They really do. We see that with our prayers around here all the time. But there's also a point where the answer to that prayer is going to be no. Because God never meant for you to live here on earth forever. Everybody dies at some point. It's heartbreaking, but it's true. So there are some instances where we can logically see why God says no. But there are other instances where it just makes no sense to us. And maybe over these 40 days you have prayed and prayed and prayed and, and the request has been denied. I want to give you three reasons. Three reasons. There are many more than this, but three reasons today why God says no in your life. But first, before we do that, on your outline, on the screens, there's a caution. There, there's a warning. Use these reasons to comfort yourself, but never use them with somebody in pain because you don't know why God has said no to them. You know, there's three reasons why God says no, but there could be many reasons. So you want to comfort yourself with this truth, but this isn't something that you want to trot out to, to everybody who's hurting in your life. And, you know, it's very presumptuous for us to assume that we know why God has said no. And, and frankly, explanations never really offer comfort anyway. If I lost my spouse or a child or a grandchild, it wouldn't make it any less painful if I knew why. It wouldn't. You know, we think, oh, if we just understood why something happens, it'll make it easier. But it doesn't. still hurts, no matter why. Yet often when a tragedy strikes or there's a no, our first question is why, why, why? That's part of human nature. And frankly, it's okay to ask why. Jesus on the cross said, my God, my God, why? Why are you forsaking me? Jesus really didn't get an answer. And what are you going to do when you don't get an answer? You know, some things we're just not going to understand this side of heaven. So don't presume to know why God does something in your life, and certainly not in someone else's life, unless he tells you. Somebody's hurting and in grief, show up and be silent. You know, people say, oh, I just don't know what to say when that, then don't say anything. Just practice the, the gift of your presence. 
is what people are often, often looking for. Just show up and be silent. Because you know, we're on thin ice when we try to explain something that God hasn't explained to us. So just apply this to your own life. Let everyone else apply it to their life. So here we go with that caution. Three possible reasons why God says no. Number one, God says no when he has a bigger perspective. A bigger perspective. God can see what you can't see. God can see the past, the present, the future. God can see around the curve. You can't. Hebrews 4.13. He, God, knows about everyone everywhere. Everything about us is bare and wide open to the all-seeing eyes of our living God. Nothing can be hidden from him. God sees it all. You can't. And so sometimes God doesn't answer the way that you want him to. Because God sees, he sees the unintended consequences of your prayer. God sees how the dominoes will fall. He sees how the chain reaction will affect you, your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids. God can see for generations. We can't. And so sometimes God says no because he sees what you and I don't see. Sometimes God says no to your prayer to guard you and to protect you. Proverbs 2.8, God guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Now, guards and protects doesn't mean he takes you out of trouble. Listen, if there's no trouble, he doesn't need to guard and protect you. So God promises to guard and protect us through the trouble. Remember the, the pagan king in the, the Old Testament was going to throw Daniel into the lion's den and Daniel prayed, God, please don't throw me in the lion's den. And God said, no. And Daniel was thrown in the lion's den and God shut the mouths of the lions. Better result, bigger miracle, bigger perspective. You know, the three Hebrew men that were going to be thrown into the fiery furnace, they're praying, no, don't throw us into the furnace. Don't throw. And God said, no. And they were thrown into the furnace. God showed up walking around in there with them. Flames didn't hurt them. The fire didn't burn them. The, 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 the heat burnt their ropes that had tied them up. They came out. They didn't even smell like smoke. God said, no, you're going to go through the fiery trial. I'm going to go through it with you, and you're going to come out on the other side. You're going to come out on the other side free from that tie that binds you, free from that hurt, that habit, that hang-up, free from that fear, that guilt, that shame. You're going to go through the fiery trial. Bigger picture, bigger story, better miracle, bigger perspective. Number two, God says no when he has a better plan. A better plan. God says, I'll answer your prayer, but not the way you want me to. I got a better idea. Isaiah 55, 8, God says, this plan of mine is not what you would work out. Neither are my thoughts the same as yours, for my ways are higher than your ways. Notice God says, my ways, plural, are higher. God's not limited to doing something one way. He's got many alternatives to answer your prayer, and all of his ways are higher than your ways. You know, you may be in financial stress, deep in debt. You made some unwise decisions. The economy did some crazy things. You bought some stuff you couldn't afford with money you didn't have, and now you're struggling with a load of debt. And so you pray and ask God to help you. There are multiple ways that God can increase your income. There are multiple ways that God can reduce your expenses. The problem is when we pray, we don't just tell God what we want, we tell him how to do it. 
And we always want him to do it the easy way. We want him to do it the quick way. But God doesn't want to use the easiest way. God's not worried about doing it quick. God wants to do it right. He wants to do it the best way. And the best way is the way that will help you grow spiritually. Because God's more interested in your character than he is in your comfort. And so God, God wants to help you get out of debt, but he's not going to do it in a way that you're just going to go right back into debt again tomorrow because you didn't learn your lesson. He wants you to learn to be wise and content and patient and disciplined. You know, often the way that grows your faith requires a delayed answer. God's not a vending machine. You put in a prayer, pull out an answer. No, that doesn't grow your character. That actually stunts your character. So sometimes, in order to get you to grow, God delays the answer to your prayer. There's a big difference. Have you noticed this? Little kids, little kids do not understand the difference. It's a, it's a fact of immaturity versus maturity. They don't understand the difference between no and not now. Notice that? Yeah. They don't understand the difference between no and not now. Many times we don't either. And so God has to grow us up so that we learn the difference. Pastor Rick's going to talk about this in your small group session this week. It's some great stuff. You know, in, in the Bible, many of the greatest people of faith did not get the answer that was promised to them before they died. Lots of great people in the Bible didn't get what they asked for. They stayed sick, they stayed poor, they stayed in prison. Lots of persecuted believers today don't get their answer. Hebrews 11:39 These were commended for their faith yet none of them received what had been promised. Why? God had planned something better. God had planned something better. Write this down. This is important. God has all of eternity to fulfill his promises. God is not in a hurry. God doesn't operate on our timetable. There are 7,000 promises in the Bible from God to you, and God is not limited to our 80, 90 years here on this earth to fulfill those promises. The best is yet to come. Number three, God says no when he has a greater purpose. A greater purpose. God will never let your prayers interfere with his purpose for your life. If you're praying something that's not according to his purpose, God's just not going to give it to you. Psalm 57, 2, I cry out to God most high who fulfills his purpose for me. And God isn't obligated to explain why he does what he does. He, he owes you no explanation. And frankly, there are some things we wouldn't understand if he explained them to us. But God clearly says, I have a purpose for your life. Now, not everything that happens in life is good. I mean, you've, you understand that. Not everything. That, the earth is broken. It's broken by sin. I'm broken. You're broken. Everybody's broken. And so I make bad choices. You make bad choices. Other people make bad choices. The world itself is just broken. So bad stuff happens here on earth. But God says, I can, I can take your mistake. I, I can take other people's mistakes. I, I can take the brokenness of the world and I can use it for good in your life to accomplish my purpose. The problems, the pain, the unanswered prayers all fulfill his purpose. 
Now, many of you are in a tough spot right now. I want you to look at 1 Peter 1.7. It says, The purpose of these troubles is to test your faith. As fire tests how genuine gold is. Your faith is more precious than gold. So what do you do when you get discouraged? You remind yourself, God's got a bigger perspective. He's got a better plan. He has a greater purpose for my life. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 says, These present troubles are quite small, and they won't last very long. Now, notice how different that is from our perspective. I mean, when you experience trouble, it just looms large. It just seems so big, and it seems like it's going to last forever. That's not God's perspective. God says, no, 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 no. These troubles, they're, they're, they're pebbles. They're pebbles, and they won't last very long. Yet they will produce in us an immeasurably great glory that will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see right now. Rather, we look forward to what we have not yet seen. For the troubles we see will soon be over, but the joys to come will last forever. It's a difference in perspective. You know, some things here, you're just not going to understand until you get to heaven. There are secret things that God doesn't reveal in this life. But you don't need an explanation to be happy. You don't need an explanation for joy. You just need the presence of God. You know, some things that happen in your life, some things that happen here are never going to change until you get to heaven. That's just a harsh reality. There are things that happen to us here that don't change here. You know, if I lost my arm in an accident, it's not going to grow back. It's, it's not. It's not going to change. I'm not going to be healed until I get to heaven. Permanent problems happen because we live in a broken world. And there are some problems. No matter how much you pray, God's just going to say, you know, I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is for now. And I need you to trust me, and I need you to learn how to grow, and I'll help you manage it. But that's just the way it is right now. Sometimes you're going to suffer for the benefit of other people. That's called redemptive suffering. Your greatest ministry will flow out of your greatest misery. That's redemptive suffering. Those difficult areas in your life, areas where God has said no, the times when God has said no, you know, rather than changing that, let's take your pain and we're going to use it for the benefit of other people. God wants to take the greatest pain in your life and use it to benefit the body of Christ. Do not waste your pain. That's not only true in your life, it was true in the life of Christ. You know, God allowed His Son to suffer for our benefit, for our salvation. That's redemptive suffering. And God allowed His Son to suffer on the cross for your benefit, your salvation. When He allows you to suffer for the benefit of others, that's when you are most like Christ. That's when you are most like Christ. It's not easy, it's not fun, but it's redemptive suffering. When you suffer and then use that pain to help other people, that's when you're most like Christ. Just take a deep breath and let that settle in. That's a hard truth. Now, 
What should I do when God says no? Number one, trust that God does everything in goodness and love. Everything God does is always for your good and because he loves you. Psalm 25:10. all the ways of the Lord are loving. God cannot act in an unloving way. Romans 8, 28, in everything, God works for the good of those who love him. Everything God does is in goodness and love, even when he says no. And parents, you get that. You get that. You'll say no to your kids. And what do the kids think? They think, oh, you're mean, you're wicked, you're horrible, you don't love me, you don't understand me, you're just, oh, and you're thinking, kid, I love you, and this is for your good. God often does the same thing. I love you. This is for your good. So the answer is no. Write this down on your outline. I don't have to understand God's answer to know that it's motivated by love. I don't have to understand it to know it's motivated by love. When God says no, you can resist it or you can rest in it. You can resist it and fight God and push back and get... People walk away from God because God said no. They didn't trust that he had a bigger perspective, a better plan, a greater purpose. So you can resent it or you can rest in it. And just know that God has your best interest at heart. God, it doesn't make sense. I don't understand it. It hurts. But I'm trusting in your love. Number two. When in pain, you pray what Jesus prayed facing the cross. You know, throughout the Gospels, Jesus gives us great patterns for prayer. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, before he went to the cross, Jesus prayed a prayer that you and I need to pray when we're facing difficulty. He was looking ahead to being arrested, uh, falsely tried and accused, uh, being beaten, tortured, whipped, and crucified. You know, he didn't want to go through that pain any more than you and I would. And in that agony, he went to the garden to pray. And he prayed a prayer that you and I can pray when we face pain. Look at Mark 14. It says, going a little farther into the garden, Jesus fell to the ground. He's in agony with this burden, praying that if possible, he might not have to suffer what was ahead of him. God, if there's any other way, don't let me do this. You know, it's okay for you to say, God, I don't want to go through this suffering. It's okay to say, God, I don't want to face this cancer. I don't want to face this surgery. I don't want to face this divorce. I don't want to face this death. God, I don't want to go through this. It's okay to pray that. Jesus prayed it. Jesus prayed, Abba, my Father. And then he prayed three things. Write these down. First, you want to affirm God's power. You affirm God's power. Father, I know you can do anything. All things are possible with you. God, I know you could get me out of this suffering. And you just affirm God's power. Second, you ask with passion. Father, please, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Please, please give me what I ask. Because sometimes God will. Sometimes he will. Sometimes he doesn't. So that's when you accept God's plan. That's where you say, 
God, I don't want to go through this. I, you got the power to take this away. I want you to take this away. However, what I want most is your will. Your plan, your, your will be done, not mine. And when you pray that prayer, God smiles because now he knows you're trusting him. Third thing, expect God to give his grace to handle his answer. Expect God to give his grace, his strength, his power to handle his answer. Apostle Paul, greatest Christian who ever lived next to Jesus. And the Apostle Paul had a lifelong problem, some kind of a physical ailment. We don't know exactly what it was, but Paul referred to it as a thorn in the flesh. Frankly, to me, that sounds painful. You know, a thorn in the flesh. This is something that wasn't pleasant for Paul. He says this in 2 Corinthians 12. He says, three times I prayed to the Lord about this and asked him to take it away. But his answer was, my grace is all you need. For my power is greatest when you are weak. So I gladly boast about my weaknesses so that Christ's power can flow through me. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul says, I can't, I can't live in, in this life in my own power. I have to have God's grace to make it. And so when God says no, expect God to give you his grace along with the no. So what have you been praying for that hasn't happened yet? You know, when, when something hasn't happened yet, God has a bigger perspective, God has a better plan, God has a greater purpose. Now, I'll tell you, that doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt. That doesn't mean that it's not painful. I mean, do you think the cross didn't hurt? You think crucifixion wasn't painful? It's just that your pain is not the end of the story. Pain's not the end of the story. God has a greater purpose. God is working in you through your pain. God will give you the grace and strength, the power to handle it. And God will never put more on you than he puts in you. Last verse on your outline. Those who know you, Lord, will trust you. You do not abandon anyone who comes to you. Those who know you, Lord, will trust you. So if you're having difficulty trusting God, it means you just don't know him well enough. It means you need to get to know him better. And that may even be the reason why you're going through the trial, because God wants you to get to know him better. Because those who know the Lord trust him. They know that he's good and loving. You know, you're not going to get a yes to every one of your prayers. And sometimes we even understand why the answer was no. Sometimes we even, we can get it. But some of them, we just don't know why. We won't know until we get to heaven. But we can trust that God is a good and loving God with a better perspective, a better plan, and a greater purpose. Let's pray together. I just want to invite you today to, to take a step toward really knowing God today. J just say, uh, uh, say a prayer that God always says yes to. Just in your heart, say, God, I want to get to know you. I want to learn to love you and trust you. God, I want your plan for my life, not mine. I want your purpose for my life, not mine. I want your power in my life, not mine. I want your pardon 
for all the things that I've done wrong. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to suffer on the cross. He paid the penalty for my sins. And so today, I want to receive that forgiveness. And I ask Jesus Christ, as much as I know how, I ask Jesus Christ to come into my life and to start me on a journey to trust in him more. God, I, I look out at this congregation and I recognize many, many of us are hurting. And so we look forward to the day when we wind up in heaven where all the questions are answered, all the problems are removed, and all the pain is replaced with your joy. God, thank you for that hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.